Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. the gates ready to go outkick 360 is back tuesday edition is here at sixth and peabody with old smoky moonshine yeehaw beer glad you're with us with chad withrow and paul koharski i'm jonathan hutton glenn gilbo of outkick.com covers the sec he'll be with us in 30 minutes as we discuss the quarterbacks entering the transfer portal and what is going on at auburn with bo Nix, a legacy quarterback his grandfather and father played at auburn He's out. He's leaving the program. We'll discuss that with Glenn Gilbo in 30 minutes. John McClain of TexasSportsNation.com, who has covered the NFL for nearly five decades. He is on the show today in an hour as we talk all things NFL, recapping week 14, looking ahead to week 15. Guys, good afternoon. Good afternoon to everyone. I am pumped up for today's show. Glenn Gilbo is going to have some good info for us. John McClain never lacks for anything. No. And we've got a loaded show today. Polly? And how about my Rams? They're your Rams. How about my Rams getting it done Paul last night? Paul gets one guess right, and we're going to hear well, about it we for the also, rest of the we week. We also now. won on uh, Alvin Kamara on Shh. Sunday. Yeah. Well, somehow. I, I've already spent that money. Somehow. I don't know. I looked down and R- saw Rashad more money Penny. in my account, and I thought, why? How? Because I looked down and saw that other people on Sunday had better days. Well, so Penny had a better day. The other one was, uh, I think, Thursday Thursday night. But uh, uh, we bet him to, uh, maybe it was to because be they, the best rusher on Sunday, and maybe he was the second the, best rusher on Sunday. Playing the Texans doesn't count. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it was against NFL teams. Yeah. <laughs> right. So the Saints played an NFL team. So Chad texted me that it paid, and then I went and looked, and it paid on mine, and then we had a discussion of why it paid, and we're grateful that it paid. Thank you. Thank Hopefully you to Hopefully you bet it as well. So Rams beat the, the Cardinals last night in what was a, a massive win for them. They're now within a game of the Cardinals. The Cardinals, just on paper, face a tougher stretch down the final month of the season. Uh, there is complete chaos with the standings right now. The top three teams in the AFC – top three teams in the NFC all have identical records for their respective conferences. It's going to be a fun final month. Big win for the Rams, but I'm watching both teams last night. I think they're playing in a different league than the AFC when I watch them play. Yeah, Arizona too has been in that buy slot defense, the way depth at receiver. Yeah, the receivers we were were talking about. I mean, um, on both sides, there are a lot of quality weapons there are a lot of good throws. There's a lot of good defense in that yeah. game. Good defensive plays made. Um, it did feel like a better quality football. I wasn't thinking that way. But, but just speed. But then some the of these speed days. element. Well, you know what? I think we'll see a good comparison game. We, we saw one. Patriots. Patriots-Bills, though, wasn't a fair comparison because of the win. So I think Colts-Patriots will give us a good comparison game. Those are two of the better teams in the, in the AFC. One, uh, both on good streaks right now, two of the hottest teams in the AFC. 
So I think that'll be a good conversation on Monday. How did that game compare to this game in terms of matchup of two of the better teams in the conference? Well, it's it's crazy watching the Rams and the Cardinals when you talk about receiving options because they have a little bit of everything. Even when I think about the Chiefs, the team that I think is is becoming far and away the team to beat in the AFC, uh, they've got so many just little guys you know that are out there running around, little quick guys, a receiver. Go through the Rams. Cooper Cup, not the biggest guy, but can do everything. Odell Beckham Jr., a bigger receiver. Van Jefferson, a nice mix of both. Look at the Cardinals with DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk, and then you can throw in a Rondell Moore that's a change of pace. Yeah. There's just they've got they've got one of everything. They've got one of each when you look at the Cardinals and the Rams of how they can attack you offensively. And I think that does make them very different from most teams in the AFC, every team in the AFC. That's a really good win for the Rams, and I think they did what I was, uh, as we were talking about picking sides on this last night, what I uh, yesterday, what I hoped they would do, a little bit of a back-against-the-wall mentality. They were down a couple key guys. Crucial, Much more crucial game for them than for the Cardinals in terms of, uh, you know, Cardinals are in it, win or lose. Rams yeah. are, are on that periphery. If they lose that game, they really needed it. And they needed to string no together a couple after beating the well, Jags now they can win the, the division. Before. And now they're, they're in good place. And Arizona's out of that top spot for the first time all season, right? Yeah, well, right now the Packers are the number one seed. Cliff Kingsbury looked like a guy last night that was uh, too preoccupied calling offensive plays to manage the game late. I, I thought he completely lost his way in what he should do. You kick the field goal. When you get down there in field goal range with no timeouts, you got to make it a one-score game. If he does that... You're still taking a huge chance. By the way, four onside kicks recovered by the kicking team amazing. this weekend is is crazy. But you got to give yourself a chance. I do. I did, do. He didn't give himself a chance, and then they get you know get, giving up the sack, and that's on uh, that's on Kyler Murray on that one. That the clock ran, bled another thirty seconds because of that. You get in position to score. You kick the field goal. You give yourself as much time as possible. If you get the onside kick, if you don't, it's a knee and the game's over either way. I agree on the field goal after a certain point, but I can't stand when the commentators start talking about it as soon as you're in range. Nobody kicks the field goal as soon right. as you're in range and says, okay, we're going to take the three here and we'll worry about the harder part, the seven oh, I late. see it all the time. When you've got no timeouts, I've seen it too early before. I've seen a college coach go for a 50-yarder way too quick and miss it. But once you get... 40 and around that range, you immediately send them out there on first down if you have to and kick it. You got no timeouts. I thought they were calling you for give it too quickly. You can make plays with no timeouts to the sideline and to the end zone that good teams regularly make in a t if you need the seven. Like if in your scenario, if you kick the field goal there and you have no timeouts and you get the ball back and you're driving, those plays you would make in that drive with no timeouts at the end of the game, you're allowed to make with three minutes left. Well, or with however they, many minutes. Do they also so not understand that you can spike the ball? Yeah, that was bad. I don't understand. Do they have that in their playbook? I, I don't know. I mean, what, what is Kyler Murray doing going up and snapping and running around like a crazy person on the final play and, and eventually getting sacked by Aaron Donald? S spike the ball. Regroup. Come up with a Hail Mary. Come up with some sort of trick play to give yourself a chance. Also, do we think that was That was, that was he, frustrating from Kingsbury do last think night, that, who's done a really good job with this team this year. Do we think that Murray was absolutely as on top of it at the end of the half as they made him out to be, or do we think that Murray got fortunate uh, when he was uh, running up the left sideline, got every yard he could, and went out of bounds? I think I felt like 
He did everything he could and hoped that there was still something on the clock. They made it like this guy had impeccable handling of the clock and knew I could get every yard I can and get out I of bounds with lucky. one second left. Yeah, you're not looking up at the clock. Set up for like he's looking at the clock and timing it up. I mean, sometimes a guy just does everything he can and hopes that there's something left on the clock on a Hail Mary play that where nobody was quote unquote open. It's funny. Yeah, nobody was open on the Hail Mary, so he ran. Yeah, I think he got lucky. I don't think he's looking up play. the clock then and so I'll step out at two seconds. I mean, it worked out well. He also knows his own speed, and I'm sure you have sort of that internal clock of, I think I have time to get as much as possible out of this run before stepping out Man, of bounds. Prater was hitting those 53 yards yeah. like there was Ranking nothing them. to it. It was, a, it was a bad night for Murray for a player who has not had a bad night, really. I mean, he's missed three games due to injury, and that's going to keep him out of the – the MVP hunt, really, ultimately? Probably. Uh, it's Brady or Rodgers right now. But Murray had a bad night with the with the interception that he threw where he telegraphed the pass. Uh, Chad's always mentioning how tall Kyler Murray is. If he's a little taller, he probably gets the pass over the linebacker who dropped into coverage uh, instead of throwing the pick. But the... They haven't twice. Twice, but I think yeah. twice his height got him picked off. I'm talking about the fourth quarter one. Yeah. There's another low interception that, that wasn't a height issue that to Lloyd. should have been caught. It's just um, when he looks short, he looks really short. Yeah, he does. Right? Like that, I, I, He's a great player, and, and I'm, I'm kind of kidding here, but I'm not. When you're that short and you throw an interception to a tall guy – you look really, really yeah, short. Yeah, to a linebacker who's 6'3". And then it really, like, it's in those moments, he's having a great year, but in those moments, I can't help but shine the spotlight on just how short Kyler Murray is because that's what gets you beat on those plays. You're shortest. He can't, I mean, there's no way to have the trajectory to even lob it properly when you're his height at times over guys, and, and that got him burned on that one. And then there's Cooper Cup. That guy's, a, I, I, I love and He's him. a future pro football Hall of Famer. Um, watching him play. We are on the cusp of seeing our first 2,000-yard receiver uh, in an individual season. The extra game is going to help him get there. He has 113 catches for 1,489 yards with four games to play. Calvin Johnson is the individual leader for most receiving yards in in a season. What's the number? 1,964. He did that in 16 games. Cooper Cup has a 17th game, and he needs about 500 yards receiving to get there. What's the reception number? He has 113 right now. Let me look that up. Because I, I, I said in the middle of the year he was going to break that record, and it was going to be controversial. I mean, is he MVP? No. No. Tom it's, Brady or Aaron Rodgers? Any, any, chance, any chance we go away from a quarterback? It's, no. He's award? not quite dynamic enough. 149 is the individual. Uh, I'm going to see what That was Michael Thomas. There. That is insane. 149 catches in a season. Hey, guess what? No shock to anyone. Five minutes ago, Odell Beckham Jr., COVID positive. Yeah. yeah. I mentioned that before yeah. we came on. Yep. Yeah, Rams have shut down their facility. Coming up in the show, we're going to discuss this because – they're, they're testing the vaccinated and unvaccinated players, and they're sitting out the same amount of time. Meanwhile, you have the NHL that is lighter on their policies than the NFL, and they're having to postpone games. I'm here to tell you there are going to be some other teams that have uh, postponed games by the time we get here 48 hours from now. We'll learn about more teams across the NHL with this. Um, 
We'll, we'll discuss what they're doing and what the point of all this is. So that with Cooper, these leagues. Cooper Cup, if Michael Thomas's record is 149, Cooper Cup is right now on pace for 148. Yeah, he'll get it. So, and if he gets he'll it, get it, it's going to be a big headline about how he got it in 17 games and broke a record that was set for 116 games. At least Michael Thomas's record is not that old. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like a Walter Payton record. So the most receiving yards in a single season, um, Calvin Johnson, 1,964. Julio Jones, 1,871. Jerry Rice, 1,848. And Antonio Brown, 1,834. Um, and we're about to see Cooper Cup get potentially 2,000. And there's the, the extra game. There's the play last night where Cooper Cup has the catches the long bomb uh, from Matthew Stafford and then helps the defender up. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking, and the guy didn't even really want to fully accept his help. Yeah. He kind of just came to his knees no with choice. the help from Cooper Cup. But I'm thinking, man, what, what insult to injury. The thing about He's such Cup, a nice guy on top of it that he helps you up off the ground. The thing about Cup, you throw him a short pass on the left side, you know, that's good for four yards. And he doesn't do anything fancy, but he turns it into six yards when there were three guys there who have the sideline as a defender and there's absolutely nowhere for him to go. Yeah. He doesn't do anything fancy to get those extra two yards, but he finds a way to, to cut back in <laughs> from the sideline. And I don't even want to say wriggle. He doesn't really wriggle. There's just some way no, just that smooth. he pinballs he and finds a way to find two more yards there where there, it should absolutely only be four yards. The, the thing that makes him so valuable is on – it was a third and eight, I think, last night, fourth quarter – Cardinals are looking for a stop, and they run – what, what's a pick play? I mean, it's, it's a pick play, but everyone knows where Stafford's going with the football. And Cup gets open within a second of the snap. And he knows exactly where to get with the, with the ball. I mean, he gets the first down. They run more clock in the fourth quarter, and the Cardinals looked helpless trying to defend him. It was just outstanding. No turnovers last night for Matthew Stafford. Threw for 250 yards. That's the remedy for the Rams. Stafford's gone through this lull where he's been throwing, and started with the Titans game on Monday night, where he started throwing interceptions that were returned for pick sixes. Did it again uh, the following week against Green Bay. And since then, uh, he played well against the Jags, played well last night. This is the Rams. And the Rams feel a lot like the Titans when you look at their record. Because the Titans sit at 9-4, and four, the Rams are also 9-4, and four, but yet you see areas in, in the armor where they, they are definitely beatable, where they don't look like they can sustain this over the stretch of a four-game playoff scenario. But here are the Rams who can throw it all over the yard if Stafford's on point. Yeah, and they get Jalen Ramsey back. Yep. Um, that's a big game to win without him. Cup is one catch and 17 yards off pace for those two records. Yeah, where's the FanDuel odds on that? He's he's setting that. Yeah, I'd take it. Too. I mean, I love. I, I mean, it's hard yeah. not to to love the guy. He he is terrific. Then you've got um, Steph Curry, who could break the all time three point mark in Madison Square Garden tonight against the Knicks. He's two away. He could set the record in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, save it for next game. Well, he here's probably sit so tonight. whose record is he passing? This is probably why it's Ray not Allen threes. Yeah, yeah. probably yeah, why when it's I think not of threes, as, I think of Ray Allen. Yeah. But why it's not as big a deal. Yeah. Ray Allen's a great player. Yeah. But well, it, if it was Larry Bird's record, we'd be talking more about it. It'd be ceremony. 
Well, see, I, with Curry, I don't think it matters what record it is because it's Steph Curry now. Like that, he's almost up. I mean, he's right there with the most recognizable figure in the game, other than LeBron. That's a hot ticket tonight in New York. I am certain the league needs Curry. Yes, <laughs> someone who just plays ball. I mean, I, I look just looking at the the score bug on a site I went to today. The top, I saw one twenty four to eighty six. 121 to 95, yeah, 119 to 102. Look, I mean, it look was at the just, money line. I did an I experimental saw, parlay last night. I saw night one three-point game, and one close game that I saw. They just were bet all 20-plus point games. Yeah, just I bet did the this favorites in the NBA. Last night. Let's, I, I didn't look to see if I won or not, but I bet about well, six favorites. To give an example, tonight, the Warriors are minus 210 to win on the road against New York. You have the Brooklyn Nets hosting Toronto. They're minus 225. They're a heavy favorite. The only close game that Vegas expects in the league tonight, Phoenix and, and Portland, uh, where Phoenix is just a, a minus 120 favorite against Portland uh, that looks to be in rebuild mode. Phoenix with the best record in the league right now. I lost Experiment. two. Mo- I'm going to bet every favorite. I did bet every favorite. I lost two money lines. I bet two, four, five last night, and I lost on Indiana this and will, Phoenix. This will definitely be the night that every underdog wins. No. yeah, That doesn't happen in the NBA. I'm gonna I'm gonna parlay every favorite. But I had Indiana the, the at minus one twenty two. And the Jets don't win in the NBA. I had Indiana <laughs> and Phoenix. Indiana minus one twenty two, Phoenix minus one forty eight, and both lost on the money line. How about these standings, real quick? Packers, Bucks, Cardinals, all ten and three. Cowboys, Rams, nine and four. 49ers seven and six, Washington six and seven. Right now, that those are your seven teams in the NFC, AFC. Patriots, Titans, Chiefs, all nine and four. Ravens and Chargers are eight and five. Colts and Bills seven and six. Those are your playoff hopefuls right now, with a month to play in the in the NFL schedule. It's going to be a December to remember. That's what it's going to be. It's bunch. Get ready. Up. Buckle up. Yeah, it feels more like a fight than a race. Yeah. And then you have in the AFC, you've got the Browns, the Bengals, the Broncos, all seven and six, just like the Bills and the Colts. And those three teams are on the outside looking in, trying to battle for six and seven. Oh. There are two playoff wild cards up for grabs in the AFC. What I would like to see is with all this madness and teams so close in the standings, is for teams to not puke it up, but for teams to win it. <laughs> I want to see more teams that go and play great games at the same time where it's a battle to win big games and not these teams coughing it up. That's well, my guy against, Nettles. Against bad teams. Unfortunately, guy, there's been some bad football, despite close games. Chad, you're echoing my guy Greg Nettles, who said about the 78 Yankees-Red uh, Sox playoff that, that even if they were going to lose that game, the Yankees were going to lose that game, he hoped that somebody did something to win it as opposed to somebody doing something to lose it. Well, I just want to see more games where I'm watching and I'm thinking, boy, these are two playoff teams or playoff hopefuls that are playing well. At the same time. As opposed to That's right. There's like, a ton of bad football being played, even with close games. But I want to see it where I'm watching thinking, well, this is what you bargained for. These are two teams that are out there we playing will. well. I think most of these teams we're talking about are pretty good teams. But no matter what, either way, we'll be watching. I read an article no, today yeah. about uh, oh. it's, a, it's a sports business insider that I read that has a mailbag every week. And the question was, what league expands next, goes into expansion? And his answer was, the NFL will eventually go to 40 teams because it's pointless not to, because everyone makes money. 
and all we want as a sporting society is more football. This will be an off-season topic for OutKick 360, but it was an interesting concept because the numbers show it, and you look at every other sport with things going down in certain places, the appetite for football keeps going up and up. That is a better way for more football than to ex- expand the schedule, but there are a lot of holes in it. Couple, a couple I see right off the top. There aren't great markets for it, one. There aren't quarterbacks for it still, and they got to figure that out first. We've come to a reasonable place with quarterbacks, I feel like, a reasonable place. And all of a sudden, you add 10 more, and there'd be some bad football. I bet I can give you eight markets during this break that would work with NFL football. Shad Khan has uh, talked on Urban Meyer. We will discuss that. Plus, Glenn Gilbo will join us uh, in about 10 minutes. We'll ask what's going on at Auburn, where their legacy quarterback, Bo Nix, has entered the transfer portal. All of that more straight ahead. First, though, Aurora NutriScience and the supplements at VitaLifeScience.com, V-I-D-A-LifeScience.com, the number one choice for supplements without Kick 360, helping us keep, uh, keeping us mentally sharp and healthy. Aurora delivers your supplements where you need them the most, your body. You're seeing VitaLifeScience.com right now, V-I-D-A-LifeScience.com. It's where you can get more information, and our OutKick 360 season ticket holders receive a 15% discount with the code OutKick360. Typical pills, capsules, not well absorbed, but here's Aurora. Unique, cutting-edge, nutritional, and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I use the vitamin C, the vitamin D3, glutathione, simple single-use packets I can grab and go with in the mornings. Aurora supplements will also help you if you're a weekend warrior. If you take medication for high cholesterol, they have a supplement there for you as well. Or if you want the endless benefits for, from curcumin, uh, that's also available for you at vitalifescience.com. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360. V-I-D-A, vitalifescience.com. Glenn Gilbo of Outkick joins us. In about five minutes, we will uh, discuss what's going on at Auburn, where it sounds like Brian Harson would have definitely gone to Oregon if Oregon would have offered him the job. And Bo Nix is out at quarterback. But so, first... So, Warrior. quickly, Paul challenged me to uh, write down markets that would make sense for quick NFL expansion. I got to four no-brainers in the U.S., so we could go to 36 quickly. You said you, said you could have to go to London and maybe Toronto for some other ones. Portland, San Antonio, San Diego, St. Louis were the four that I jotted down quickly. Yeah, San Antonio would face a lot of uh, resistance from two franchises you might have heard of, the Cowboys and the Texans. Well, this would – and I'm not looking at it with you know Jerry Jones blocking anything. I'm saying, are there enough billionaires – that would love to have a team oh, in one yeah. of these four cities, and would they work? The answer is yes. Every billionaire four. that doesn't have a team would love to have a team. Yep. Um, Shad Khan loves him some Urban Meyer, based on the quote I read. I don't know if yeah, you guys well, agree. Getting and it from it, Urban Meyer. Oh well, no. If yeah. he took it the same way, but yeah, he, he, he said people on his yacht. What concerns me is obviously wins and losses. This is Khan via the uh, the AP yesterday. But hey, we're sitting here. We haven't had a lot of wins. What's different about this thing is you have losses and you have drama. In the past, it was like you were, oh, it's the lowly Jaguars and everyone left you alone. Now the scrutiny we have is really something different. So how much of that is we're bringing it up upon ourselves and how much of that is deserved? In this case, Urban has won wherever he was. 
This is something he's never dealt with. And when you win in football, you create enemies. That's Shad Khan discussing Urban Meyer and his, his job says It doesn't sound like he's anywhere close to being fired during the season. No. But with the reports that are not being denied, with the turmoil behind the scenes within their organization and with behind closed doors at their facility, this is something that Khan has to take a, a, a strong look at, no matter how much he wanted Urban Meyer to be his head coach. He's not wrong. When you win, you create enemies. Now he won at a different, different level. Um, yeah, who, who in the NFL that covers the NFL has some grudge against Urban Meyer? Well, the media hates Urban Meyer. I mean, well, the that's, media that's hates, no but joke. the media hates Urban Meyer not because he wins, because he's a jerk. This has nothing to do with his win-loss record. The media doesn't hate Nick Saban, and Nick Saban's not the easiest to deal with. I mean, they hate him because he's he's mean to everyone. Yeah. Like I, I saw Dan Dockage going off on this, and and uh, Brady Quinn. Boy, you know, all these media members got their panties in a wad because he wasn't nice to them. And if you treat people like trash. When it's your turn to get crapped on, it happens. Deal with it. Look, this is no one's fault but Urban Meyer. This is not the media's fault. Urban Meyer is treats humans like trash. And he's getting his due. And now he's getting treated like garbage, and I'm here to applaud it. Good. I'm glad that he's losing. And it's okay for people to be glad with it, happy with him losing. Now, I read this, these quotes from Shad Khan and thought to myself, he's actually lighter on Urban Meyer than I thought. Uh, in it, or let me say this, he was light on urban Meyer, but it also got me thinking that maybe it will be one and done for this reason. He kept going back to the, we will talk to everyone around the organization and do what's right for this city and for these players and this team. And the way he kept going back to, I'm going to do what I do with every big business decision. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to talk to everyone around it and see what's right for the organization, the city, got me thinking, oh, he's going to talk to everyone, and they're all going to say, this guy's terrible. He's going to talk to one person. One guy, exactly. One guy's very important here, and his name's Trevor Lawrence. I'm not hard on on Khan here for the hire. Mm -hmm. I don't like Urban Meyer. I didn't think it was going to work. But Jacksonville's, like, uh, their winning percentage is 270 since Khan bought the team. I, I respected him looking for something different, going and finding a guy with a winning pedigree and saying, well, maybe this guy could bring here what he had at, at Florida and Ohio State and places before that, and I, I need to find something different. The, the, the hires from inside the league haven't worked for me, and I, I need to find something different. This is not the most appealing job in the league by any means, even with Trevor Lawrence, and I'm looking for something different. I, I admire the effort uh, on that. And, uh, you know, if he decides to stick with him, I, I, you know, I, I, can, I can see worse decisions than that if he winds up with a Doug Marone or a Mike Malarkey or, or whatever. Well, it's, it's funny because reading the entire quote, I kept going back and forth on what Shad Khan was thinking and whether or not Urban was going to survive. I would go from thinking, oh, he's completely safe, he loves him, to, oh, he's really going to examine this and he's possibly going to be out after a year. But I do laugh at and the, the quote you just read, Hutton, about, you know, when you win, things just start to get reported on about you and things, and things happen. None of this stuff, it, it's not like someone's making it up, right? These things are happening with Urban Meyer. They're getting reported on not because he wins, but because people don't like Urban Meyer. 
and namely people that work for him apparently in Jacksonville is the biggest problem. And him threatening to fire someone, which he should, quite frankly, that's leaking this to the media, uh, that doesn't serve well for him to have more friends within that team. Also looking for something different is Bo Nix. Hey, one more point on that. That was week 14 for the Jags. Yep. You and I both noticed. The Jaguars press section full at a road game for a two-week, uh, uh, a two-win team, right? Uh, ESPN's Jaguars reporter, who's usually the first one shut down. I know him. He's a friend of mine. We covered the same division together. He would never be on the road week 14 with the struggling Jaguars. He's there because of Urban Meyer. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but it, as to what Khan's saying about the scrutiny, there's an example of it. Glenn Gilbo joins us from Outkick.com. Glenn, hope you're doing hey, well. Why does Bo Nix want out at Auburn? He's a legacy quarterback. Yeah. Um, you know, it sounded from his quotes like he wants something new. You know, he, uh, he he's had different coordinators, different head coaches. He's been around Auburn, you know, his whole life. Maybe, maybe he just wants to see what it's like somewhere else. Uh, and maybe Brian Harson doesn't have uh, great plans for him. Maybe maybe he wants to go with T.J. Finley. Uh, you know, so, I mean, quarterbacks are starting to transfer. If you look at them wrong uh, now, um, I have a column up on OutKick right, right now uh, about that. Um, but I can understand Bo Nix a little bit. Plus, you know, maybe he's tired of the criticism. He's never really been accepted at – at, as the Auburn quarterback, he's always had detractors, but he's always he's also always been inconsistent. Yes. So, you know, I can understand that transfer a little bit. At least he's he's leaving Auburn with a quarterback, you know. And but still, I think these kids ought to stick it through the bowl. There's there's no reason they need there's no reason to leave now. You can stick through the bowl and then transfer. Seems like Brian Harson would have maybe liked the Oregon job. Does he feel like he's in kind of a state of limbo here in a job that wasn't a very good fit, isn't a very good fit? Well, his recruiting class is not ranked as high as Vanderbilt's. Sure. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you know, and I know sometimes coaches, when they think they're going to leave, they, they kind of skip the recruiting. But uh, Or maybe he's just not a very good recruiter in, in this area or in the area that he's in now that's new Auburn and, and, and the, uh, the Gulf coast, but um, you know, he still has time for the next signing date, but uh, you know, it's, it's not looking like a, a great situation at Auburn after the four game losing streak recruiting and, and now losing Bo Nix and, and the uh, tank Bigsby. I mean, that's, that's a bigger loss to me than, than Bo Nix. I mean, that's they actually, they actually kept tank Bigsby that came out yesterday. Well, that, tank Bigsby's going to stay. Uh, that may be Brian Harson's best recruiting job. Yeah. Was he got him to take okay. his name out of the, uh, the transfer portal after putting right. it in. So they, they retained tank Bigsby LSU unable to retain Max Johnson. Glenn, what are the chances Max Johnson ends up at an sec West rival in Texas A&M? Yeah, you know, possibly uh, with with Texas A and M losing losing Calzada, that's another questionable one there. I mean, here's a guy who had a good season for the Aggies. Uh, you'd, you'd think he'd wait till the end of the bowl to to decide. Um, I would think he'd have a chance to be the starter next year at A and M, uh, more so than uh, than Max for sure. Um, 
but um, you know, I, I don't, I don't understand that move either. Um, uh, I don't, you know, Max is not, I don't think Max is really going to be seen as a, as a great quarterback, uh, you know, a, a targeted quarterback. He's solid, but you know, I, I don't know how much interest Jimbo will have in him. Glenn Gilbo, our guest, you can follow him on Twitter at LSU beat tweet, uh, foregone conclusion. Bryce Young was going to win the Heisman. Um, Glenn, did you see where the, did the, did the final vote stack up the way you thought? Was it as lopsided as you expected it would be? Yeah, just looking at the odds during the last week going into the uh, to the Heisman ceremony, I, I thought he'd win by about as much as he did. You know, he finished so strong on on two big uh, TV games, uh, Auburn and then and then Georgia, and he had a real strong game just before that against Arkansas. And uh, you know that that's how you do it. I mean, it can all it can all switch late in a season. Um, that's that's happened before. So no, that was not a surprise. So Glenn, when you watch Brian Kelly dancing to Colin Baton Rouge by Garth Brooks with a quarterback commit, do you think, boy, this is a guy on the cutting edge? This is pretty cool. <laughs> or do you immediately think midlife crisis for Brian Kelly brought him to Baton Rouge? <laughs> Uh, I think a lot of money brought him to Baton Rouge. <laughs> yeah, that too. And a chance to get better players and and improve from making the uh, playoffs to maybe winning and advancing in the playoffs. I think that's the main reason he did that. Uh, you know, he's not going to make a lot of money as a dancer, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, here's something that's, that interests me with, with signing day tomorrow, and it's shaping up to be a three-horse race for the number one class in the country between Texas A&M, Georgia, and Alabama. Three likely candidates for that. And I look at those three, and I think we are forming the triumvirate of Saban in the, in the country, not just in the SEC. These three guys who are best at executing the Nick Saban plan are going to master recruiting, and they will forever be in the top five as long as these three guys are there. And then I start thinking about what outsider in the SEC – that's outside of the Saban coaching tree, can penetrate that triumvirate. Maybe it's Brian Kelly with a great job like LSU and a guy who's won other places. But Glenn, when you see that, do you buy a little bit of what I'm saying with those three and how they are mastering recruiting right now? And who are some candidates for SEC outsider, Saban outsider, that can possibly get through that protective shield that those three guys have created around those programs and what they're doing in recruiting? Well, I, I think Lincoln Riley possibly could have been in, in the SEC and, and, and maybe a challenge for him down the road nationally at, at USC. Uh, you know, Jimbo has recruited really well, but, but he's been a bit of a disappointment on, on the field. I mean, yeah. I can't believe he the LSU. And he's lost to some teams he shouldn't have lost to this, this season. Uh, so he hasn't been quite the uh, the rising star that Kirby Smart has been at Georgia really quickly. And, and you know, Nick has had some coaches who, who didn't do well at all as head coaches, Derek Dooley and Will Muschamp. But, uh, yeah, but I, I think, I mean, you, you look at it and they're all on the uh, – it is a triangle. You know, Jimbo Fisher's over here in Texas, Kirby Smart's in Georgia, Nick's in the middle. Uh, and, and, and under them and on the side of them just – failures at Auburn and, and Florida, uh, you know, Urban Meyer was a, was a big challenge to, uh, to Nick Saban for a while. 
but but Nick took care of that much like Les Miles. You know, the, the coaches challenge him briefly the first couple times they play him, kind of like Gus Malzahn, and then nothing. You know, he 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 figures them out and, and it's over. Um, but uh, you know, it's 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 a saving league. I mean, when when he retires, you know, his 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 two boys, Kirby and Jimbo. <laughs> Be, be coaching there for a while and and uh and don't forget Lane Kiffin you know he, he's he's another one moving up at, at Ole Miss and and uh you know I, I would think uh, Lane would have a shot to replace Nick after, after he retires I think I think that would be an excellent move he's 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 good he's going to be young enough still if Nick coaches another 10 years he certainly knows Ennis very well <laughs> yes he does he knows that terrain very very well uh, Spencer Rattler knows Shane Beamer well. Uh, he was the preseason favorite to win the Heisman. He gets benched at Oklahoma. Now he's going to the SEC East in South Carolina, and he's bringing his star tight end with him, both announcing minutes apart that they are headed to South Carolina. Really nice get for uh, for Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks. Yeah, you know, and again, that's, that's another head-scratcher because, uh, I mean, South Carolina is not close to being on Oklahoma's level. Right now, I mean, maybe down the road they will be, and and uh, he wants to be part of, of building that program. But you know, South Carolina has been struggling and kind of mediocre, where Oklahoma's been going to the playoffs. Uh, so that's uh, that's you know that, that really kind of surprised me that that's the school he decided to go to. Glenn Gilbo has been our guest. Follow him on Twitter at LSUBTweet and read his work at Outkick.com. Glenn, thank you as always. We'll catch up on the news and notes next week with you. Thanks. I got got a better uh, view last week. Somebody said it looked like it was in the witness protection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You asked us not to disclose your face so uh, last week, so we we abided. <laughs> Whoever by that. asked, Glenn, we we swore that you didn't do it. <laughs> Whatever it was, you didn't do it. It's good to see. That. Good to see your we just, we just forgot to disguise your voice. We apologize for that. All right. Happy All right. holidays. Yeah. Same, same to, you, same to you. Thanks, Glenn. Hey, the first Spencer Rattler report I saw said uh, to USC. And me being from a national perspective, I thought, oh, Lincoln Riley's taking him. Well, what that confirms is that that confirms the USC why, Little League next to it. That confirms why Shane Beamer was mentioned at Oklahoma because he recruited players like Spencer Rattler to the Sooners whenever he recruited for Oklahoma, and that's why his name was being brought up as the next head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners because he has the connections with the recruits that they wanted to keep. Not necessarily that they wanted to keep Rattler because they benched him, but you you see the rapport that he has with players like Spencer Rattler who was the top name coming out of high school, and now South Carolina's got that guy. We think he's rehabilitatable? Yes. Let's discuss. Let's discuss also what that move says about Spencer Rattler, about South Carolina, but I think from a broader standpoint about quarterbacks needing to find a spot where they're going to start when they hit that portal. This is Outkick 360. Coming up, we'll discuss the Pittsburgh Steelers, one of those teams that are backed into a corner, backs against the wall, needing to win, needed to string together wins to get into the postseason. Titans have them this week. Welcome back, Outkick 360 from 6th and Peabody with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. You can follow us on Twitter at Outkick360. Chad, the transfer portal is going to be busy as quarterbacks are on the move and teams are about to get a lot better because they can follow the model of Hendon Hooker and the Tennessee Volunteers. Now, some of these guys are going to be Joe Milton. They're going to suck. 
But some of these guys will be Hendon Hooker, and they'll catch on and be in the right spot. Well, and so Hendon Hooker, to me, is the model of result, right? Go somewhere, transform your career, transform your draft stock. Hendon Hooker said in a press conference that he was projected as a mid-round draft pick, mm-hmm. but he believes by coming back he's going to be a first-round draft pick a year from now. Are you going to come back and play for Josh Heupel? He was sputtering. He lost his job at Virginia Tech, and now he's a possible NFL quarterback under Josh Heupel. Now, these are two instances of the same school of the good and the bad because there's no reason for Joe Milton and Hendon Hooker to transfer to the same school. That should not have happened. What happened was Hendon Hooker, a day before Jeremy Pruitt got fired, transferred to Tennessee, and then after that, Josh Heupel brought on Joe Milton. Joe Milton got paid. Joe Milton <laughs> Joe Milton got something, gets there, and he got benched. You know, he gets hurt, and then Hendon Hooker comes in, he's the better option, and the rest is history, and Joe Milton's probably going to transfer somewhere else and try to play. The whole quarterback musical chairs that happens. I'm going to get back to Spencer Rattler with this. Spencer Rattler is no doubt the starting quarterback at South Carolina. Right. Because people like Glenn Gilbo, well, he's at Oklahoma. I don't know why he would go somewhere where Oklahoma competes to be in the playoffs. South Carolina's nowhere near the playoff. Well, I would argue that if everyone continues to leave Oklahoma, they're going to be about as close to the playoff as South Carolina will be next year. But also, it's not about that for these guys. These quarterbacks, it's all about playing. They're leaving somewhere because they're not going to play. If Caleb Williams stays at Oklahoma, Spencer Rattler doesn't have a starting job. He needs to go somewhere where he's assured the starting job. The issue becomes when you have so many guys in the quarterback transfer market, not all of them can find a home. It is important to pull a Spencer Rattler and do it quickly. If you've got somewhere in mind, by the way, Bo Nix, you can put in the transfer portal. You do not want to be contacted. Your cell phone number is not put in there. You can say, I don't want to be contacted by schools. Bo Nix knows where he's going. Hasn't announced it yet, but he knows exactly where he's going. I don't know where that is. I'm assuming it's UCF to play for his former coach, Gus Malzahn. But that's the smart way to do it. If you're going to get in this game and you're going to decide to transfer, you either need to know where you're going to go or make up your mind quickly because when that music stops and you're Joe Milton and you're left without a seat and you go somewhere where you're not starting... What was it all for? Because all these guys are leaving to play somewhere else or to up their draft stock. And if you can't, you can't up your draft stock from the bench. And Joe Milton, you know, made a somewhat lateral move from Michigan to Tennessee. His next moves way down. Yeah, because but they it, saw what but he Chad, did. In fairness to Joe Milton, but Joe honestly, Milton can't I, I complain about it. Like he he, no, he transferred in and no, was the starter. He, no, not at he, in all. seventeen he practices, he had the starting job and he played terrible. Well, and so I, that's on him. I also don't. Th- I think Joe Milton will get a Power Five spot I think I think when he decides to transfer if he wants he could probably go give it a go somewhere else where he'll get an opportunity I don't think he's gonna have to go I think that's too far down nuts based on the resume that he put out at UT unless you're a brilliant quarterback guy and you looked at it and said oh I see exactly what he's doing wrong here where he's throwing 50-yard passes on 20-yard <laughs> well, yeah. patterns. Yeah, I think the problem is he just doesn't have touch. <laughs> I mean, if, you, if you're that's an clear. offense that says like hey I'm gonna throw nothing but 10-yard stick routes and let him run Right. And we can win with him doing that. And he's better than my current option. Then you bring him in to play. Well, isn't but he throwing those? It's not like he's going to be. He's not going to be doing this Matthew Stafford last night dropping the bucket or even some of the passes you saw from Hendon Hooker on Tennessee. He's One just never going to do that. You said there about Hooker says he he got back a mid round evaluation. That's about the w- worst thing he could tell me in terms of knowing what it means because mid rounds three, four, five, 
And there's a huge difference between top of the third round and bottom of the fifth round. I don't think... Let me fill in the blanks here. They don't give you three, four, five. They give you one, one first round, two, three, or four through seven. Those are the evaluations you get back when you, when you put your yeah, info they, in. He got a four through three. He got a four through seven. I think he got a four through seven or undrafted. But he might have gotten in third. I mean, every every list I've seen has him around 12 or 13th ranked quarterback in this, in this class. That would put him sixth, seventh round or undrafted. So he's right to come back. Oh, he's definitely right to come back. And look, he's, he's a Heisman hopeful next year with the numbers he put up not starting the whole season in this offense. He is going to be a Heisman hopeful. Start the campaign. Get Let's your slogan. Go. If that's the case, Vols are in Atlanta. If he's a Heisman. Oh, great line, by the way, from Trey Wallace's story about, about Hooker coming back. That's exactly what Josh Heupel said. When he told him he's coming back, he said, let's go to Atlanta. We go to John McClain in Houston next on Outkick 360.